a lot of the commentary that I've seen is that it sounds like friends hanging out talking about tech stuff. Which is so crazy because we really don't like each other at all. I love you. Wait a second. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, this is awkward. <laughs> oh. You're listening to PHP Ugly, episode 102. I'm Tom Rideout. With me, as always, is Eric Van Johnson. Hi, Tom. Hey, how's it going? That's good. Good. And our frequently uh, missing co-host, John. Where's what is what is going on? Where's John? I'm not sure. I think I think he's eloped with his other secret business partner or something. I, I'm not I'm not even sure where he's at right now. No, I, I know where he's at. He went up north to hang out with a client. So, oh, yes, he he he's doing the work thing, a little schmoozing with a, with a client. Sounds nice. Got to spend you... those. Got to spend those uh, Apple gift cards. That's right. <laughs> what have you been up to this week? Oh, it's been hellacious. Hellacious? Hellacious. Ten-hour days every day this week. Oh, this is your, fir- this is your first week back to work, right? God, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of uh, catch-up activity going on. Mm. Yep, vacations are no vacation. The, it really the work waits for The work waits for you to get, get back to work, the... The stress of traveling and trying to coordinate family and yeah, there's, there's nothing fun about vacation. <laughs> huh? Yeah, no, it's it's been uh, it's been exhausting. Yeah, it's been really exhausting. I got off work yesterday at eight o'clock. Uh, <laughs> got off work today at seven o'clock. A lot. I did a production push today at six o'clock. Wow! Which I on just a Thursday six yeah, o'clock at night yeah, on a Thursday. So not hyped for that. <laughs> <laughs> that that's rough. Huh? I applaud you. <laughs> yeah, but besides that, you know things have been all right. I got a couple questions to ask you. Fire away. <clears throat> uh, well, first thing we had a uh, we had a meetup here in San Diego last night. Our, our buddy and fellow Diego Dev developer Marcus Moore, and actually co-organizer Marcus Moore, uh, did a talk on chatbot. Uh, chatbots are fun, right? And there, there's Botman now, which is uh, which is a PHP kind of chatbot implement. Not kind of. Botman is an implementation for chatbots in PHP. Right. And they even have one that's specifically, like they have this template one called uh, Botman Studio, <clears throat> which is a Laravel app <clears throat> that's all pre-configured for, for chats and stuff. And it's... Marcus had reminded me uh, during the <laughs> during his presentation that I had actually deployed Botman Studio for Wave PHP. I'm like, oh, really? Wait a minute, I have a I have a bot out there for Wave PHP on Telegram. You know, I was just experimenting with it, <clears throat> and uh, so I opened up my Telegram, and sure enough, you know, it's still out there listening, waiting, waiting for to do replies and looking for love, <laughs> looking for love. Uh, so I think uh, I think Marcus. I was telling Marcus that he's kind of inspired me to to go back to that uh, little bot and and try to hype it up a little bit and actually make it functional by the time the conference gets here. Like what I would love for it to do 
is you know the the way I envision it is actually during the conference, you know somebody wakes up and they pop on Telegram and they ask the ask the WavePHP bot what sessions are happening today and WavePHP bot will will reply. So seems I don't like know. it wouldn't be a tough um, one. Yeah, it seems like it seems like it should be very doable. So I'm gonna try to uh, try to get that done over the next uh, couple of months, I guess. But yeah, that that was fun. But uh, I was going somewhere with that. How did I start that conversation off? You had a meetup this week. I, I did. You're gonna ask me a question. <laughs> I was gonna ask you a question. How how did that tie together? Oh oh, I remember now. So we had somebody at the meetup, and. Um, he pulled me. He he didn't pull me aside. He after the meetup, he came up to me and, and was talking to me a little bit, and he he was talking to me about a topic that I'm like, you know, that's that's a pretty good topic. Maybe we'll we'll address it in the next meetup. Then as I was driving home, I'm like, you know what? I really should make that. I should. I really should do a blog post on that. And then I'm thinking, I don't do blog posts. I just talk on a podcast and that's basically my blog post nowadays <laughs> so i'm like i need to remember to bring this up to thomas and uh and see what he has to say about it unfortunately john's not here i, I would really like john's input as well i think i think we could all contribute to this but the question was um he's been he's been a developer for a long time he's uh worked for you know a couple companies now and uh he's pretty skilled the company he's currently working at has decided to go remote, uh, fully remote. Okay, nice. He's never he's never been in that position before, so he's never had to n- not go to an office. And he had a lot of great questions and concerns, and a lot of it was focused around how do you how do you stay focused? Uh, how do you, how do you not get distracted? And um, I, you know, I had some input, but I guess before I go go with what I said, let me ask you: you've been you've been a remote worker for what five years now, ten years now? Five, yeah, about five years now, I think. Okay, five years now. What if if this person had come to you? What would have been like? Give me, give me, give me three must dos as a remote worker. Uh, I mean, the first thing is know that you can do it. And if you mm-hmm. can't do it, accept that about yourself. Um, the, I, there are people who can do it and people who can't do it. And the people who can't do it have this tendency to get stuck, underperforming, unenthusiastic, and just sort of this absentee type thing, which a lot of companies will say, hey, as long as you're performing at the median level, then we're going to keep you at the median position and median pay. You know, you're not... So if your intention is to elevate your career and you're working from home, I mean, first step is it's hard to elevate your career working from home. You get forgotten. Um, Mm -hmm. But you can also be your own worst enemy by allowing yourself to be forgotten. Um, So that's, I mean, to me, number one is know if you can do it and get out if you can't. Uh, Number two would be establish a schedule, stick to it, and and don't let yourself think that because you're working from home, you have more time than normal. You know, uh, 
if there's a situation where I have to pick up my kids or do a doctor's appointment, I make sure I contact everybody who's needs to know and let them know that it's happening before I do it. I don't just do it and not notify anybody, which happens a lot. There's a lot of mm-hmm. work from home people who you contact them and they say, oh, I'm in a totally different city right now. And you're like, well, what, what, what are you doing? You're supposed to be mm-hmm. at work at the, at the office. Um, and I, the third thing is established with your significant other and that, that you're working. Um, for me, when three o'clock hits, the kids come home and my wife wants a break from the kids, but she can't. She has to know that she still can't have a break from the kids because I'm quote unquote, not there. I'm at the office. I have to keep working. Uh, so those, those are the, the big key things that can really make or break you from working from home. I, I, that's great. I, I think I pretty much echoed a, a similar response. The, the big thing I told him, um, well, one was exactly what you said. You have to get, you have to establish a schedule with yourself for, for me, you know, and you've heard you've heard me talk about this. I tweet about it all the time. But for me, it's my dog. My dog wakes me up in the morning around six or seven, and he wants to go to the park. And that's kind of the as silly as it is. That's kind of the start of my schedule. So that's my time where I take him to the park. Um, I I kind of focus on what I need to do for that day. So my day my day my clock is already kind of ticking as far as. I feel like I'm 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 kind of getting in work mode, and uh, I try not to check any emails or anything at that time. And, I, and I'm trying to get better at that. And we we can talk talk, talk on that a little later. But typically, what I'll do is when it's when it's getting close to the to the end of his walk, I'll pull up my email and see if there's anything I need to address as soon as I get back to the office. Start to swipe away the newsletters and you know just worthless emails so that when I, I i'm down to emails that do need to be addressed um and then that's it i i get i get home i i feed the dog and boom i'm at work now and that's kind of that's kind of my my preparation time but yeah, that's that, my that schedule I, very similar to mine yeah and, and i have to have that now because if i didn't you know i would lay into bed i'd lay in bed at, until eight nine ten o'clock and think okay i'll get started in a half hour i'll get started in 20 minutes and probably wouldn't um so that yeah that's really important you have uh, that, a slightly different situation though is that you are your boss so you don't have someone messaging you saying this needs to be taken care of right now or we're waiting on you for this or this I, I actually get that all the time probably more, more than you do because i have really? multiple clients who basically expect us to be at their beck and call 24 7 so yeah i mean no i i do get that but i get what you're saying i i mean for you you know your office starts at whatever time it starts at eight nine right, o'clock right so you, you kind of you kind of can get the, I, I see what you're saying there yeah yeah that does make sense um i think i think you're right as well like one of the biggest misconceptions is that you have more free time and i i think you kind of nailed it one of the things i struggled with the most before we've really got our business going um is that i i had a real difficult time 
understanding when I should be done with work. Yeah. And I would just find myself working until 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night because, you know, I just felt this obligation to kind of keep going, keep going. And I've tried, got, I've tried to get better with that um, uh, over the recent years. I, I try to at least make sure, again, I'm in a different situation where I'm running a, my, a business with multiple clients. So I don't have an eight-hour workday. And, and, and fortunately, my wife is understanding that she realizes that and, and she, she's accommodating so I do work more than eight hours, but I, I have tried to establish breaks of where at least I'm going to have dinner with, with the family. I'm taking an hour or two and watching TV or talking, uh, talking to, to the family. Um, yeah. And I know, I know John, you know, my business partner, so he's running the business as well. He, he has tried to, or he has established harder stops and he right. needs to because he has a younger family, like you and your wife, who you know she's taking care of the children. His wife takes care of their children, and you guys have to tag team. You know, the, the, yeah. they they need a break. So, so he he's established uh, hard kind of hard stops. Um, so I yeah, have a, I have a real time, a real real hard time with that. And you know, one of the things is in an office, when people are leaving the office, they wave and say goodbye, but. In the Slack channel, people aren't up on saying, "Hey, I'm leaving now." Yeah. So I'll I'll be working yeah. on something and then look at the Slack channel and realize that everyone's gone idle an hour ago, yeah. and I've just <laughs> I've just been working while they were all gone. Or <laughs> so another another problem I have with working remote is I've never officially been diagnosed with it, but I've talked to a lot of people and they've they've encouraged me to be evaluated for it, but I, I'm pretty sure i have some form of adhd where i have focus issues um and so for me one of the things i absolutely have to have and really kind of the thing that dictates my life is my to-do list uh my to-do list i mean i i have it pretty pretty tweaked out now where it's tied into my calendar it's tied into a github pull requests it's tied into um, our, our uh, ticketing system for one of our clients. So when somebody opens a ticket for me, it goes on my to-do list. And my to-do list basically manages my life for me. So I have a calendar that I'll look at. I have my GitHub pull requests I'll look at. But everything feeds into my to-do list. And that's that really is what tells me what I'm doing day to day. I and tried to do that. Yeah, I can't get away from it. And a matter of fact, I've gotten even more strict with it. Uh, I have, so I use Todoist, which is uh, online to do very simple service. There's a bunch out there. There's Asana, Remember the Milk. Um, Todoist to me was the reason I went with it is because like every other service that I ever see that ties into some sort of to do system always ties into Todoist, and Todoist. Doesn't try to be a lot more than what it is. It's it's a pretty simple interface, but I I have and, and it has the ability to tag tasks, right? So I yeah, have a set special... them as like soon or or repeating or never ending. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch yep. of functionality in it that I like. Yeah, and so I have tasks that that I have I assign. I have a tag called my six, 
And this comes from a philosophy that I heard. I forget where I heard it at exactly. But the idea is that a person can only work on six items at a time. So if you have, if you have more, if I have more than six things in my, in my, in my to-do list, if I have more thing more than six things tagged as my six, then I know I, I have to drop something off. I can't work on anything else. And so I'm constantly kind of going into my six, especially when I'm sitting here and I might be between meetings or between doing things and thinking, okay, what should I be working on? I just go straight to my six uh, list and see what's in there and say, okay, these are the things I should be focused on now. But my to-do list, it really, really dictates what I do day to day. So like if I put something in there that you didn't know, would you just do it because it was there? That's how I, I, I do that. I do that to John I, I, because uh, him and I actually share uh, projects. So I'll, I'll actually create a task for him and assign them to him. And then occasionally he does them. <laughs> Clean that litter box. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, so that, that was another big thing I, I said. Focus, I, you know, I touched on focus with it to do, but like for me, I started using an app um, called Focus, which actually shuts down things like uh, YouTube for me. Because oh, God. YouTube is so mandatory for me. See, now, I'm going to tell you what, what I told this individual yesterday is I used to tell myself that it was background noise. Like, I wasn't really watching it. That it was it was just something there so that, you know, I can, I can work. But... I've really discovered, and I, I, I honestly blame you and John for this because I discovered it when I was watching that other series you guys got me hooked on. Mindfield, what, what, yeah. Mindfield. I noticed that I just I would keep that minefield running, and I was telling myself, "Oh, it's just background noise. I'm working on something here," but I could feel like my productivity slowing down, and so I, now I, it's. I have channels for when I can pay attention and when I just need noise. Okay. There's, so there's... so what, what, what are your just noise channels then? Um, my just noise channel is a lot of uh, tech quickies, tech reviews. Uh, yeah, see, that wouldn't work for me either. Stuff, well, it's, my, all, my ju- it's stuff I don't care about, like, like the latest CPU architectures and things like that. Or um, people building stuff, uh, you know, people are building you not a, shelves Are you not a fan cabinets. of music? Do you not listen to music? No. Okay. So that's what I'll do. I'll, I'll have, that's my just noise channel is, is music, but I, I can't in, and it, it shuts down Reddit, like things like Reddit as well, because it's so, it's just so easy to sit here and open up a tab and just instantly start typing R E D D I. And you know, it's, it, it's like, oh, I'm just going to see if there's any, any, anything new in, in the PHP channel or, just some bad habits I'd gotten into. So I've, I've started using Focus. I, I shared that with John. He he seems to like it as well. Uh-oh. Uh, something's pissed off the office manager. Yeah, the chief barking officer here is upset. What's wrong? He's the CPO, chief bark <laughs> officer. Let me see what's happening here. We're right back. Here's Alrighty. your hard cut. Oh, my daughter has... Taking care of the office manager. All right. Okay. Uh, so yeah, um, focus. Focus is always a challenge. Um, 
yeah. as well. Hey, that's that's the big thing. That's one of the things that if you can't do it, you can't do it. If you're work from home and you can't tear yourself away from Reddit, then you need to change something. Yeah. You know. And I think I think you touched on another really good one. Is the office manager back? Yeah, he's right behind you. Wow, that was quick. Uh, the the other um, one you I thought you you touched on really well, which I think gets overlooked a lot, especially with companies that are that are trying to that are moving to remote that that aren't traditionally remote is two two things one setting up a clear line of communication whether that's slack or, or whatever it is it should it should be a very simple this is how you get in touch with us and and everybody should be should be getting in touch with everybody the same way i've worked at places where oh some people were on skype some people were on hangouts some people were here some people were there Every right. everybody has to communicate the same way, and it needs to be fairly simple. And the other big thing, especially if if you're if you're in a position where you're thinking about having remote workers, and th- there's that other side of it as well. There's there's the people who have to manage remote workers, whether they're re- sometimes they're not always remote. You you know this, like yeah, the the people the people that manage you, they're not remote. They they're in an office. When if you're in that position. You need to have clearly defined milestones and targets that you can measure the productivity of the remote workers. Not not to not to give them a hard time or make, try to make them work harder, but f- so that you can identify when they're struggling and and when they're having issues. Like, if well, let me in let me office, expand on that. Let me expand on that. If if you're hiring sure. a new worker and they're going to be a work from home employee then you have that evaluation period. But if you're doing something Mm -hmm. like converting a company to work from home, you're taking Mm -hmm. longstanding existing employees and potentially unwillingly putting them in a work environment they don't want. And I see companies fail this all the time where they they will drop productivity, they will have problems with HR where people just aren't showing up, things like that. And there needs to be a manager saying, okay, well, while we're doing this, there's an evaluation period. Since we're doing it to you, then we're going to take that into account. But if you need to go to a co-working space, then we will tell you we need you to go to a co-working space, and we will pay for it. Or, that is a great point, Thomas. I'm glad you brought that up. That That's actually a really fantastic point is – Working remote doesn't necessarily mean working from home. Right. And, uh, you know, again, for me, like, I couldn't work remote if I didn't have an area established. So I have my office. And if I, if, but not everybody has that luxury of having rooms that they can dedicate to. Office. <laughs> right. You're offloading. The, the reason you're doing this going remote thing is you're offloading an expense. But, there are definitely situations where you're offloading that expense to your employees, and that is the mm-hmm. last thing you want. You you need to evaluate how much expense you're offloading and how much you can spend to reduce that strain on the employee. Because if I'm looking for new houses that have an office because I have to have an office in my new house, then something is wrong with the relationship between me and my company. They mm-hmm. are, are they covering the change in expenses from me now needing an office at home or 
mm-hmm. are they covering my internet expenses because it's going to go up because I need a higher quality internet access? You know, the things like that. And you, you can save a lot of money by going remote, but you need to make sure that you're not also losing efficiency or ostracizing your employees because employees don't always want it. Right. And, and as a person working remote, you what you don't want to do and what you what seems like it would be easy to do is say, oh, yeah, now I'll just grab my laptop and work on the couch. You don't want your work environment invading your personal living space. No, absolutely not. Because... You can't touch your bed while you're working. Well, I, I have my office in my, my bedroom, mm-hmm. but I have, I have a police tape around my bed in my head. You know, do right, not touch. Right. This is not related to the office in any way. Um, I, I don't allow myself to ever play video games on the same computer that I do work on. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially during work hours. During lunch, when I take my lunch break, I go to my gaming computer in a different room and I play video games on that computer. I don't mm-hmm. mingle the two together in any way because there's these tangible or these intangible relationships that you build in your head that you you can't let them break down just because your work environment has changed right yeah i think that that co-working facility that that's a great point yeah that i mean that's working remote and and you're not working from home and and the other thing i i I mean we we don't need to keep going on about this but the other thing i kind of want to put out there one, one last point is for for employees people who are supervising remote workers you know where i was leading to before was that when everybody's coming into an office we we're, we're talking about the a person slipping like productivity slipping and it might not be laziness right it might there might be other issues no, I, 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 coming... I think it's rarely laziness i think it's yeah it's circumstance yeah. right and, and my point was that when everybody's coming into an office you have that personal interaction and you can kind of see when things are bothering somebody and maybe they're moving slower or maybe they're sore or, you know, they had a rough night or, but you have that physical connection. And when, when people are remote, you don't have that physical connection. So you have to have a better sense of how to make that determination, how to understand when somebody's maybe dealing with an issue or, or having problems so well, yeah, that, that would be another thing. HR, HR has to be aware that a remote employee functions differently than an in-office employee, and that if a person is showing up to work crying a week straight, yeah, HR is going to get involved. But mm-hmm. you can't see if that's happening in a remote employee. All you see is a reduced productivity or whatever. It, it, I, I, I think every time I've worked remote, I've felt like HR hasn't properly addressed the issues that a remote employee faces mm-hmm. yep all right uh so let, let's move on from that i mean I, I think i think that was a pretty good discussion i i just covered my mouth from talking sorry uh i think that was a pretty good discussion and uh we might we might follow up back on it i might do a blog post i don't know yet i i, I have all these great ideas for blog posts and then realize I don't like doing blog posts, but something interesting came up. I think you'll appreciate, I hope we haven't talked about this in the past. I don't feel like we have. Is this a secret thing you were telling me about? Yeah. I mentioned part of my routine is taking the dog for the walk in the morning. And what that used to, what used to occupy that time for me, because I wasn't working, 
is I listen to podcasts. I, I, I'm notorious for yeah. all the podcasts I listen to. At the, at the hype of my podcast listening days, I was probably listening to 10 to 15 podcasts a week and, and really kind of appreciating them all. Over, re, over the last month, I've started cutting back. Not because of any particular reason. It's just, I, I just... I don't know. I felt like I was getting I was getting tired of of listening to them, and I've been cutting back. Um, so I I listen to a very select couple of podcasts now, and I don't outside of ours. Of course, I listen to ours all the way through, so oh, no, I can I, criticize uh, you. We, we discussed that <laughs> so. before we started uh, going on air. It's the quality the quality of my editing is slipping a little bit, <laughs> but. Besides ours, I, I have a very select one or two podcasts I listen to, and I don't even listen to them faithfully. I, I like I might listen to two podcasts a week, and they won't always be the same podcast. Matter of fact, they rarely are because few podcasts actually record weekly weekly like we do. So insane people. I, I've I've moved away from podcasts a little bit. I've gotten a little bit into audio uh, audio books, and I've been listening to them. But I might be going back to podcasts listening again for a couple of reasons. One, somebody's posted uh, a curated list of programming podcasts. So the oh, thing no. I like about this is that it it has good podcasts on all these different languages and, and things that I, I like listening to things outside the scope of PHP. But Which obviously, I need, I need to do too. Yeah. I, I I strongly recommend it. Some of my favorite podcasts are the are the Rails podcast, the uh, Ruby and and Rail podcasts because they talk a lot about patterns and philosophies and things like that. It, it's just kind of something I've noticed of all the podcasts I listen to. They seem to geek out on that that sort of stuff more than other languages. But I digress. Of course, I'm looking at this list, and the list is is called. Um, oh, I had it open, and now I closed it. Awesome podcasts, and uh, I'll uh, I'll add it. I didn't want to add it to the notes too quickly because I didn't want you to ruin those. But of are course, we, are we on? Being it? being who we are, I jump straight to the PHP uh, section because there is a PHP section to see if we made the cut. <laughs> what What is your ex? On a scale from one to ten, what do you think are the chances we're on the list? Four. Four? Yeah. Ah, you gave it. You, you give it. See, I, I've given up. I'm like, we never get recognized for anything. Not only, Thomas, not only are we on the list, we are the only PHP podcast on the list. Really? So they're like, yeah. it's, it's just another case of people making fun of PHP then. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you ever wonder what PHP podcasters sound like? Listen to these assholes. <laughs> and, and I I was so taken back by that. I'm like, holy crap, holy crap, we're on the that list. Do, that and we're does the only surprise ones on the list. me. And I, I was so taken back. I'm like, oh shit, one of us added added it, didn't we? So because it's in GitHub, you can look up the blame. Oh so no. I, I looked to see who contributed. No, no, no. It's it's fine. Was it Sean? Not only, not only did none of us contribute it, but nobody 
I, I know off the top of my head contribute. Like none, none of our regular listeners who talk to us and chat or, or tweet about us. The person no. who contributed looks like a Rails developer. And I'm like, <laughs> really? This is awesome. Yeah, totally, man. Just just look at the blame on the uh, on the on the repo. And it's uh, I I feel like I, it's okay to share his name, but I don't know. I felt weird sharing his name, but it's, it's there. I if mean, we do, we're, if we it. do, we're in violation of EU law. Huh? Sharing names now. If we if we we have to delete the episode if he doesn't want his name said. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So I won't share his name, but but because it was GitHub, I did pop over to his uh, his GitHub profile and. I mean, he he has a bunch of uh, he has a bunch of Rails repos. So, whoa, yeah, yeah. I thought that was pretty awesome. Oh, he does have a Laravel repo here. We have Is episodes that, that have seven hundred downloads. You're out of your mind. No, episode ninety-one, seven hundred downloads. Episode one hundred two weeks ago, mm-hmm. or three weeks ago, six hundred and twenty-six total downloads. What? Eric gets fired is number eight. Or seven on the list now. You're no longer the wow. top. <laughs> What's not a going on? Drop off. <laughs> okay, I gotta look at this now. We're talking about you're talking about analytics and Simplecast, right? Yeah. Look how good these analytics are. Not. Yeah. Look at that. Wow. That's. Uh, I don't see. Oh, I do see the top ten. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh. People are listening. Oh God, that's terrifying. You know, you know the thing that always surprises me about the the top ten, and, and I think it's a trend. I mean, in my head, it gets interpreted as a as a trending thing. It's like of the top ten, um, they're all like within like the top with all within like the last fifteen shows. You know what I mean? Yeah, except for Eric gets fired is episode number sixty nine. So that was like yeah, that practically was, that practically a year hanging. ago. That one's still hanging in there, isn't it? That <laughs> I think I think we excited a lot of people falsely with that title. <laughs> that uh, th- yeah, this is crazy. You know, I I hadn't looked at this in a while. I don't want to be famous like this. Although now we did have another user tweet at us, and you somehow you didn't get the tweet at all. I don't know why it doesn't show up for you, but. Yeah. He said he was burning his way from starting at episode one, and he was up to episode fifty something, which he's a maniac. Was just yeah. such a tragic thing to hear. First off, <laughs> <laughs> up to episode fifty nine, started at episode one, and yeah, uh, I felt like we needed. I, I felt like it was a plea for help or something. <laughs> yeah, we, I can't stop just, listening. Send just somebody. Tweeted him the suicide hotline number. <laughs> No, it's a, a, one of the interesting things, though, is that we established this podcast as a way of keeping contact with each other and covering the things we were interested in because I moved or because I was mm-hmm. I was becoming unavailable to frequently see you guys. And a lot of the commentary that I've seen is that it sounds like friends hanging out talking about tech stuff. Which is so crazy because we really don't like each other at all. I love you. Wait a second. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, this is awkward. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> now I'm sad. Hey, who, who, who drove across county to see you when you flew out here? You who? did. That's right, I did. 
That's right, I did. And then John just asked if we were having the podcast without without me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that reminds me. Next week, no podcast. Really? Well, we're in Austin. Oh yeah. Maybe yeah. I'll just do it on my own. <laughs> you just, just, just pop on. Yeah, and... fly solo. <laughs> That's going to be some weird conversations talking to yourself, you know. Oh, uh, they're not oh, as weird as you What think. did you do this week? Oh, I don't know. Just sat around. Yeah, didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. So, yeah, no, no. Well, there may be there may be a special episode. Maybe you need to, maybe you need to find a, a special a special guest uh, host or something. Get Get some other Diego Dev people on here. You can har- harass them. You know, yeah, we've that, only that in, might be fun, in actually, 102 yeah. shows, we've only had one show where we've had somebody outside our little PHP ugly people on on the show with us. Yeah, Frank. We had those. We had Frank on once. Yeah, Frank was at your place hanging out with you, and he was on. Oh, that's not what I was thinking about. I was thinking about when the uh, north north meets west, north meets south guys joined us for what our one year. Remember that? Yes. Yeah, that was yeah. So, so that that was the only one that I, I I had remembered, but um, yeah, maybe you need to, maybe you need to do that. Maybe you need to pull on another another host. Now, we were going to talk two things this week, but John I, is John is completely absent. Mm-hmm. We were going to talk crypto, which crypto. I mean, it's just that would that would be a good topic for ne- next week. Yeah, the last time <laughs> we talked about crypto was completely different world that things have changed so dramatically and it keeps going but we were also going to talk dark patterns no however the facebook thing keeps coming up uh so this week there were two days of testimony by mark zuckerberg in front of congress Mm -hmm. did you watch any of it yeah i watched a lot of it way more than i probably should have talking talking about Issues with focus, yeah, yeah. I watched a lot of it. It's, he, it was painful. It was so painful because they didn't they didn't even know what question what questions to ask or what answers they were expecting to get. Right. Some of it, them it, did. It, some it, of the guys some of the guys knew what they were talking about. A lot of them were just like, "What is the Facebook?" And that was terrible. Um, uh, there were a lot of questions about the implications of the Russian involvement and which completely misses the point of the problem. There were, it, it was a very scattershot process. Um, but and, and I, I do, I do, I do want to lead into this because I do have a feeling about this, whether you, you agree or disagree with the way Facebook manages are, are doing things in their business model and I'm not 100% on board, and, you know, don't use Facebook, blah, 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 I, I'm all that. I, I, will, I will back Zuckerberg, specifically Mark Zuckerberg, but Facebook to a degree in the sense that they established an industry that wasn't really established, or, or, or they, were, they, were the, they were the forerunners of an industry that wasn't really established. And so there, are, there were no hard, fast rules going into this. And we're starting to discover, much like a lot of other industries, construction and, and, you know, assembly lines that, yeah, no, we can't just let the companies decide what the rules are. 
we need to kind of figure this out and start to establish things ourselves. And that's kind of where we are with Facebook. It's like, I don't think they were intentionally trying to be evil. Mm. I just think that yeah. they were in a position where they're like, okay, there are no real rules here. So let's do this and let's see what this does. And let's see what this does. And so I, I will give them that. And, and, the, and the fact that you, you get some of these uh, senators and congressmen and, and political figures just in general sitting on their high horse as a Monday night, uh, Monday morning quarterback saying, this was terrible. What you did were terrible, was right. terrible. And it's like, it, listen, dudes, you know, <laughs> this is not, this, this hasn't been written out before. We have, we haven't gone down this path before. So, you know, whatever. Well, last week I shared a, a new website that I've been following strategically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the conversation last week was about, uh, boy, I can't even remember what it was now. But let's see. I, we've got show notes. I can look at it. No, nope, not helpful at all. Well, Strategery <laughs> Strategery is a, a tech commentator. Makes his living on this website. He just has an opinion, voices it, and he is amazingly good. He mm. wrote a breakdown of what happened in the Senate and the House and explained the politics, the business, and the technological issues behind all of the things that were brought up. And it's a bit of a long read, but it is so, so worth it. I mean, it's so well analyzed. And it comes down to the fact that that Zuckerberg stated that he wants Facebook to be regulated. Mm-hmm. And... That's because there are only two options in this scenario, which is regulation or being broken up into multiple companies. And Facebook has a very, very broad interest that is not just the Facebook website. They, they have an advertising platform that expands far outside of the social network's reach. They also own the Oculus Rift company. They are the owners of technology that is going to push the next generation of computer use and technology. They don't want to be broken up as a, a monopoly. So when he was most uncomfortable was when people asked him if he was a monopoly. If they said, what's, what's your competition, was when he got the most uncomfortable. Because he knows that regulation is coming and that to embrace it is the best option for Facebook. And in saying that he wants to be regulated... Facebook's stock shot up, which you wouldn't expect as an outside viewer. But if you're, if you understand that that the stock market was looking to see what was going to happen, he dominated the conversation, led everyone to the the final uh, the final destination that he wanted people to end up at. So even though it was horrifically uncomfortable and he looked terrible. Like you he know, looked, he looked terrible. A lot of people said he that. I, real bad. I first thing I I'm I'm really curious about how much training he did to go into there. A like lot. how much prep he did because he had he had very like uh, patterned sort of responses how he responded. And, but I, I I see that a lot. I saw that a lot on Twitter. I don't know. I I didn't. See see it 
that way when I was looking at it. I, I couldn't imagine being up there. Could you imagine testifying in front of Congress? I mean, we, you know, we're well, normal I, kind I, of... I'm a normal guy. I couldn't imagine testifying in front of Congress, but you have to remember that, that what, 80% of the people he was testifying in front of, he had personally given money to. Mm, the the true. people, I mean, he was, yeah, he was on the hot seat, but he was being interviewed by people who he was a contributor, a campaign contributor for, and who's, who are coming up for re-election in like six months. So no one was going to come out and just burn him. They, they kind of tried and they made these snarky comments, but I, I get the feeling that a lot of it was uh, a shadow play that he was feeding. I mean, first off, I think him looking terrible was on purpose. I don't think he wanted to come what, off what as you, arrogant. What do you mean by he he looked terrible? I mean, what, what looked terrible about? He him? had a, he had essentially a two dollar haircut, and he's always some, had that. Sure. For some reason, he had no eyebrows. He was <laughs> sitting on a booster seat. <laughs> yeah. What what's the story of the booster seat? Is, is there? I think he's positioning that? himself to seem weak and vulnerable. I think if you look at Martin Shkreli. The asshole that everyone hates. You know Pharma Bro? Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I don't know what you're talking about. This, he's this, this picture of smug, rich asshole. And he's in jail okay. because he testified in front of Congress. And he oh, was a oh, rich, oh. smug asshole. The, 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 the guy who upped the pharmacy. Right, Pharma Bro. Uh, yeah, uh, gotcha. Okay, Pharma Bro. I get it. I, thought, I, uh, I very strongly believe... That Mark Zuckerberg said, I want the opposite. I want to come off as a toddler sitting in a high chair with a haircut he did himself in a suit that <laughs> looks like it came off the rack. Because the dudes were so that, that, billions. That was, that was the one thing I did notice. The tie. There was something about the tie. Right. Like, it wasn't quite nudged up all the way. It was, like, loose and didn't look like it was tied correctly. That was yeah. the only thing that was bugging me. It's like, what is with that? The, You're like there was a something that, there. There was something time. that bugged everybody. And I think that was a well-orchestrated plan to come off as the victim, or, or at least less of the aggressor, less of the Lex Luthor character. Because if he wanted to look like Jesse Eisenberg, <laughs> he could. You know, don't forget mm-hmm. that the guy who played him in The Social Network also literally played Lex Luthor. <laughs> so I, I think I think it was a very intentional and I, I know that that sounds bizarre, but when you're worth a billions and billions of dollars and your test your testimony could increase your net worth by three billion dollars in two days, which it literally did, then, yeah, I'll get a shitty haircut to make three billion dollars today. That's nothing. <laughs> if you look at the what people post on Facebook, they, they'll run out in the street naked for a hundred dollars. OK, I think what he did was put himself in a position where he seemed vulnerable and said, yes, we made mistakes. Please don't yell at me. I'm so cold. Is, is, it, is it anybody else cold in here? And so my nose have, is running. Have You hinted around last week that you, you may be considering deleting your Facebook account. Have you given that any more thought or have you executed on that? It really hinges on what comes out of this because if they talk about breaking up Facebook, then it cha- it fundamentally changes what it, Facebook's See, business that, model that's would That's a weird concept to me. It's like, what would breaking up Facebook look like? It's not like the Bells, where it was a utility that people had to have, and that you know they were blocking other companies from 
installing phone lines and from running phone lines to, to houses. I just, I can't get my head around what breaking up Facebook, like if, if Microsoft didn't get broken up in the, in the nineties and two thousands, there's no way something like Facebook could, could be broken up for any reason. I, that's where I disagree. So there is okay. enough, there's enough anger and really Ang- dangerous. Anger is not justification, though. Dangerous anger, legal anger precedent. Anger despise against a company is not justification for a government to go break them up. And that's that's the important part. It's like we our government is not allowed to just walk in and break up companies whenever they just get upset yeah. with them. And so, but they can. Know, th- what they can do is write a law that says this company should be broken up because of this new reason. And the antitrust and laws are kind of written see, that way. Antitrust? What antitrust? They, 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 they're not. They're not supplying a service to people. The people are are the product, and that was even that was even stated in this testimony. Yes, and that's the that's the concern is that the people are unaware that they're the product, and this is a fundamental shift in people's understanding of their value. So as again, to a service this, provided. This, this, the same argument could be made about EULAs back in the 90s, or even today, for that for that matter. But when Microsoft were in... in uh, that's you know, a segue, just, that's a segue, and you have to hold on to it. Because the EULAs come up in this podcast as well. Okay, all right. I will tell you, but, okay. if you were to break up Facebook, here's what you would do. You would say, provide the platform, but do not provide the data to an outside party. If you want it's, it's to advertise not, not on TV, happen. you get these really generic viewer information not, things. Not going to happen. I mean, you you can say what you would like and, and that, that's people that's people saying, "I still want Facebook, but I want I I want to be protected." You know, you're like forcing a company to continue to offer a service and not get up, not make a profit from you anymore. Oh no, they, they would still happen. they'd still I, make I, a again, profit. You, you can say it as much as you want. You can be as mad at Facebook. The, we we are in a free free enterprise. If you hate Facebook, don't use Facebook. Delete your account. But the government will cannot go in there and break them up because people are mad at them. If people well, are mad at them, but that's like the saying need to stop using them. That's like saying if you don't like AT and T, don't have a phone. No, it's not like saying that. That's my point. It's not like saying that at all. It's not like saying because you, people, you have to have a phone. That that's a requirement. You don't have to have Facebook. You don't need Facebook to survive. You don't need Facebook for people to communicate with you. No, Facebook but, is not is not a, a, a necessity. But to join certain conversations, you do have to be on Facebook. No, you don't. You don't, and, and and that's the misconception, and and that's the problem there's, with there's you know, two people who, billion people that, on Facebook. That's the, that's the that's I don't care how many people are on Facebook. That's the people. That's the problem with people who base their value to society on their followers. I'm this person because I have this many followers on Twitter. No, you're not. You're you're you're. That doesn't make you any better of a person. What have you done? You know, Facebook. Well, then when does something I, I become disagree. a utility? When when it becomes a necessity for for pe- people to survive day to day, plumbing is a utility. There are people there are people for whom they absolutely believe no, that Facebook I, I just, is a I, need I, to survive. I completely and and, and you know I, I need I need beer to survive. 
I, I can say I can state that I need my scotch to survive. But there it's are not a, a lot of people whose whose it's entire careers reality. are based off of social network interactions. I, I don't Instagram, care. Facebook. You, you can try to argue this with me as much as you want. You're wrong. Oh, I know. And, and because you're wrong, <laughs> because you're wrong, is why the government can't go in there and break them up. So, can't can't break them up. Maybe could break them up. Technically could. Technically, uh, absolutely capable of doing it. However, like I said, Facebook wants to be regulated, and this comes the same time that the European regulations are coming into play. So the European regulations, the GDPR, is essentially what would be done if we were going to regulate Facebook. It establishes that personal data has value, permanently belongs to the person it comes from, has to be opted into, not opted out of, can be opted out of at any time, the company has to respond and confirm that all of their data has been removed. This applies across the board. It's fascinating to me that this has not come up in any of the technical conversations that I've seen this week, because not only is it what the future legislation towards Facebook is going to look like in the United States, but it actually applies to the United States as it stands right now. So when this goes into effect, I believe in two weeks, if you have any personal data that can be tied to a citizen of the European European Union, you are held under these regulations now. And it is an incredible amount of work. All right. There's a lot to discuss there. I don't know how much I feel like going into it, but <laughs> that's why I dumped it all at once. You can pick yeah. the part you you can pick the part you hate about me the most, and then argue with me about the, that. The, the problem with these regulations is what are the consequences? The, the The government is going to sue, you know, Joe's Crab Shack because individuals you know, can uh, sue. So it's it's not the government that will sue. Individuals will be suing, and this is very similar to what happened when the the access laws for wheelchairs got very strictly enforced in California is that an individual can go from location to location, break out a measuring tape, and then sue them for a failure to pass. Mm-hmm. And there are plenty of companies. If you look around California, you'll notice that every 7-Eleven has a very nice, perfectly graded wheelchair ramp because there was one guy who literally went to every 7-Eleven in California and sued them one at a time. And he made a lot of money. And the same thing is going to happen with the GDPR. People will say, I registered for your website, and then I tried to remove my data, and I couldn't. You didn't respond for four weeks. I'm now suing you for a million dollars. Because of our trade agreements with the EU, they have the authority to do that in the United States, even though they're an EU citizen. So this is going to be huge. If small websites fall under this just as much as big websites, and big websites are going to be accommodated to this, but if you run a parking ticket payment company and you don't scrub the data the moment the person pays their bill, then you'll be sued for a million bucks. Just... And that's that's the thing that surprises me. This this information... I mean, this is what's going to happen, is that somebody's going to start suing websites one after the other and then it's going to hit all the big news media where it says one man sues 4,000 websites and everyone's going to go, what? Why? 
it's because we're not paying attention. We're no, not. It's going care- to be because somebody was whining about Facebook one time, and we decided to implement all these regulations, and now this, regulation this is a better is world an update. where everybody can. This regulation everybody. is an update to the initial regulation, the 1995 EU Data Protection Directive. This is significantly before Facebook. So the the GDPR mm-hmm. replaces the Data Protection Act of 1998, which was a a law enforcement of the 1995 EU Data Pro- Protection Directive. Yeah. So they've been thinking about this for a long time. And okay. it's I mean and this is what's going to happen in the US. When when we do regulate Facebook, it will look exactly like this. But it means that we're all going to fall under it as well. And fortunately, a lot of the senators who were at this, this is your doom and meeting. gloom section, by the way. This is I know. your doom and gloom. Oh, I know. You're, you're you're beating this dead horse now. It's... But fortunately, some of the senators at the hearings with Zuckerberg stated very clearly that this kind of regulation cements Facebook's monopoly and should not be implemented in the United States because it weakens the ability to have competitors. So, how's we'll... that? How's that? I, I, I really because don't want to com- talk about this topic more, but how how does that regulation weaken competitors? Because compliance compliance with this regulation is going to be shockingly expensive. I don't I don't buy that either. I, I mean I don't I don't buy that this 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 weakens competitors to Facebook. I just, I just don't don't buy it. Um, I did I did have one more Facebook thing, and again I'm not trying to to beat this dead horse at all. But my wife this actually involves my wife. Uh, my wife sends me a screenshot to, today and says, "Hey, should I be doing something with this?" And it's a it's a it's a message from Facebook on her Facebook app that says, "Protecting your information. We understand the importance of keeping your data safe. We have banned the app. This is your digital life, which one of your friends used Facebook to log into. So we oh, did this too. Because, yeah, yeah." We did this because the app may have misused some of your Facebook information by sharing it with a company called Cambridge Analytica. Yep. In most cases, the information was limited to public profile, page likes, birthdays. It has a little bit more verbiage here, but, but it's not important. But I thought that was really interesting. It wasn't something my wife had done. My my wife didn't log into the uh, This Is Your Digital Life, but one of her the friends on her list did, and because of the the you know, twisted way, not twisted, but the, the, the evil way, broken, uh, Cambridge was leveraging the Facebook APIs there. They've now extended this message, which they, which they really didn't even need to see some of my wife. It probably confused her more than anything else, but they, they basically said, Hey, one of your friends did this. And because of that, we, we nuked this and we just want to let you know. Yeah. I, I thought that was like a, Kind of like a weird message to send somebody, but I, I understand why they did with everything that's going on. Have you gotten any of these messages? Because I, I haven't. I, uh, I actually logged into Facebook today just to see if maybe they had sent a blanket message to everybody. And my wife and I share a lot of friends on Facebook. And, so uh, no, the I, number I the it. number here is is I believe fifty two million people were compromised. Uh, yeah, fifty over fifty million Facebook users compromised, but the number of people who actually ran the app and took the quiz was in the range of 200,000. So those so there 52 was only, million... There was only one quiz? There was only... It was just that... It was, I, see, that's I just the one the getting, getting attention. So 
when when Zuckerberg was asked about this, he said that they the I don't even remember what how he phrased it, but he he essentially said they misused access that they were given. He didn't say that it was an exploit. He didn't say that it was a bug in the system. He didn't say that it was malicious. He just said that, yeah, they didn't follow the rules that we gave them. And now mm-hmm. Cambridge Analytica, with its relationship to the Republican Party and the whole Russia influence scandal, got the attention. But Cambridge Analytica is one of hundreds of thousands of these apps that existed at the exact same time that right. probably that, did the that, same thing. That was my point. Yeah. It's like, so, it wasn't just one app, right? Yeah. It really is. It's one hand waving over here saying, look at me, look at me, while the other one takes your wallet. Because everyone's pointing at Cambridge Analytica and saying, those assholes. But then they're still going on Facebook and, and posting the answers to their security questions because it has a cute dog on it. <laughs> I, I've spent most of my time on Facebook recently telling my friends... Why are you answering the question about the street you grew up on? You're a complete moron if you do this. Why are you telling people your mother's maiden name on Facebook? Oh, my God. Why do you think this company is trustworthy? Stop publishing information about yourself for no good reason. Like, I I just... And the smartest person I know posted something on Facebook that was personal information disclosure with no payoff, no reward, no nothing. It was just like, I answered the question. Look at me. And I, I said, like, listen, these questions are personally identifying information. These things are incredibly valuable to companies. They scrape users by, by posting these stupid questions with animated GIFs. Don't feed into this. And he said, I don't use that information for anything. And I was like, yeah, but they do. They care. Like, if, if in the future someone wants to know how frequently people flew internationally in 1970, that information is going to be there now because everyone answered the stupid question on Facebook. And and if you look at the way these shill companies operate, you, you ever notice that these these questionnaire websites look terrible? Mm-hmm. Like they're they're poorly designed, they barely work. They have a logo, and it's some company that's just like funny gag two thousand eighteen. All of these websites belong to some larger corporation that's intentionally pumping out low-quality websites so that you're disarmed by the quality, so that you don't say this is associated with Facebook, but it's also not BuzzFeed. As long as it's not so wait, a big wait, wait. company, I don't you, care. You say you say it's associated with Facebook. I mean, I mean, taking advantage of Facebook's APIs and saying that it's associated with Facebook, I think, are two separate things. No, no, I'm not saying associated with Facebook. I'm saying that they use Facebook right. as their platform to okay. right. to generate massive amounts of identifying data. Mm-hmm. And and for some reason, I mean, if you and I wanted to start a company that was just massive data gathering operation. It'd be super easy to register 500 domains, pump out 500 garbage templates, and then pump out 10,000 stupid questions. Mm -hmm. And everyone would say, oh, they're all different websites. They're all different companies. But they all dump into the same database that's analyzing the data and producing something that creates value out of our information. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, It's very nefarious because, you see... Top Dog Stories is like one of one of people's favorite Facebook pages. It's like, yeah, no shit they have a corporate entity that owns them that's named Cambridge Analytics I, I whatever or or Boston Dynamic Data Recognitions. Like Cambridge Analytica didn't say it was Cambridge Analytica during doing these surveys. It just said, you know, what's your personality type? And that was the survey. Or you know, it's it's 
the bigger problem is not Cambridge Analytica. The bigger problem is that people fall for these 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 designs as if they were some guy setting up a company. But why the hell would some guy set up a domain to do a Facebook quiz about your favorite pet type? No one does that. That's mm-hmm. data. That's data accumulation. Stop answering the questions. No one cares that you had a Shih Tzu when you were 12, except for people who do, and you shouldn't trust those people at all. If someone's really interested in your first pet and they're a total stranger, you should be terrified of that person. <laughs> so that's my, that's my doom and gloom. Eric, you mentioned uh, the EULAs, the end user license agreements. I did. One of the most common EULAs is actually something that you don't agree to or sign. It's a sticker. Do you know the sticker I'm talking about? PHP Ugly? No. No one wants those. No. Oh. <laughs> Nobody trying. wants any EULA attached to them. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. What? Warranty void if removed. Warranty void if removed. I have I have voided many warranties, yes. You actually haven't. No? No. I feel like I have because I removed them. No. I'm a criminal. It turns out that in 1975, the Magnuson-Moss Warranty Act stated that disallowing customers to repair their own devices was illegal. If you buy something, you have the right to repair it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. And furthermore, it said that telling people that they don't have the right to repair it is illegal. This has sort of been a, a, an unwritten bullshit rule for a long time because there's a missing step. The, F, the, the Federal Trade Commission cannot fine a company until they have been explicitly warned that they need to change their behavior. Say that again? What? In, in most cases, you would think if you're breaking the law, they can just fine you for breaking the law. But the Federal Trade Commission doesn't have that authority. The Federal, the Federal Trade Commission, which is in charge of enforcing these kinds of things, has to warn you first. They have to give you a, an addressed notice that says, we believe you're violating the rules and you need to stop now. This is your official warning. Next time you will be fined for continuing this behavior. Uh, they've done this in the past with BMW where they, they issued a notice BMW didn't comply and uh, they were fined but they've now stated that they sent out six companies notifications that they're violating the law uh, they didn't say which companies but the big one that everyone suspects is Apple mm-hmm Apple is notorious for telling people that their warranties are voided if they don't use official replacement components Mm -hmm. or that if they fix the device themselves, they are no longer covered under their warranty, which isn't true. Um, They also have a tactic of upgrading firmwares or having uh, upgrades to the operating system that disable uh, third-party modifications. So... 
if your screen isn't an official Apple screen, then the next time they decide they want to shut it down, they just turn your screen off because you didn't use the Apple screen. With this notification, it's very possible that they can't do that anymore. And that if you did some kind of repair on your device or you went to iFixit or you break iFix or whatever those companies are, that Apple can't deny your warranty claim just because someone else replaced the screen besides them. That's a big game changer. Um, generally speaking, the stickers that say war- warranty void if removed are illegal just on their own. And these warnings going out to six companies might mean that you stop seeing those stickers altogether. I doubt that. They'll it's, start putting them on. I'll it's a giant threat. I mean, anyone yeah. that they sent this warning to is not going to keep putting the stickers on. If they send it to Microsoft, Microsoft will not continue putting the stickers on. Yeah, they will. The you, penalty you can, is you, so you enormous. They won't, but they'll put, it on. they'll put it on. They'll put it on. I've been a rebel for years, though. I've been a rebel. I've been ripping those tags off my mattresses forever. <laughs> that, that's me, man. I've been I'm, burning I'm, them. I'm out, I'm out there. All right. This is exciting to me because I've I've I feel like I'm becoming more and more of a maker. I, I've repaired my 3D printer several times. I, I can't believe how long you talked about that. It was like uh, that was that was an amazingly long time. The to details talk about are important. That. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think they're that important. I think uh, I think you, you you feel like they're more important than they are. But, but that's just me. I don't know. They're pretty important. I'm a, I'm a big fan of details. <laughs> You you love them so much you just make them up sometimes. You just want more details. I've been I've been particularly careful in this podcast not to make up any details after having <laughs> clearly made up half of what I was talking about in the last episode. Oh, did you Did we call you out on it? Yeah, I yeah, love no you did. You out on it. You did. Okay, okay. As long as I call you out on it, I feel I feel we did a service. Like I don't think I kept it I in call- the edit, but you definitely did call me out at one point. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to I have to defend myself. <laughs> All right, I think that's good. Where are we at? Are, are we? Are we we've done. We've done our time, right? We, we've we've done our mandatory community service. Our, our parole officers. No, this is the okay. easy. This is the easy part. The hard part is when I go to edit this. I, I I start the Audacity project on Saturday, and then I I don't even look at it until like Wednesday. I just I drag the files into an empty project, and I just go. Oh, I don't want to hear myself. It's tough. Yeah. I have I have to edit the uh, PHP Architect uh, podcast this week before I go to go to Austin. So, what are you going so to Austin, Austin for? Going to Austin to do Austin things with Austin people, and I think there's a PHP conference going on there too. So, I might hang out with those guys. They're not one of our <laughs> our, our dreaded competitors, are they? Yeah. Well, 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 we're trying to do a a uh, what did what did you used to call it where you were in competition but you you had a partnership as well like a sister um, sister cities project or something yeah yeah so this is this is we're we're heading out to Austin for the Longhorn PHP conference this is their first year uh, having a, a PHP conference they're well more organized than we are with Wave PHP which is happening this year as well uh, yeah but that laid back year. attitude is so San Diego. It really is. So uh, we had the bright idea. I, I pinged the Austin guys and the, the Longhorn guys. I'm like, hey, you know, it's your first year. It's our first year. Uh, how would you feel about us coming out there and helping you with your conference, helping you run it and, and get our heads around, 
you know, some of the challenges that come up. And they so said, that they said, who are you? We do. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. No, what they said is, you want to help? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're the number one PHP podcast on Awesome Podcasts. That's right. We totally are. So, so yeah, uh, if you're going to be out in Austin, if you happen to listen to this podcast, and you're going to be at... I don't even think I have PHP Ugly stickers anymore, but if I do have any PHP Ugly stickers, uh, walk up to me, say say keep it ugly, or say hi, and uh, if I have What's stickers, wrong with your face? I will give you a sticker. Yeah, you are way uglier in person, <laughs> and I didn't think that was impossible. I, I really thought you were pretty hideous on your podcast, but <laughs> this is impressive. We we need a special a bonus prize for anybody who says you're much taller than I expected. <laughs> you may not know it no. from listening or even watching the video, but Eric is 12 feet tall. <laughs> no, I was going to say the prize is the first person who walks up to me and go, you're actually shorter than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Thomas. I think, uh, I think we're going to call this, call this a show. I think, yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Alright. I'm Eric Van Johnson. I'm Tom Rideout. Keep, Keep it, it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly and thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Show notes can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at PHP Ugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or directly off the PHP Ugly RSS feed. A rating of five stars on iTunes is appreciated. Submit articles to phpugly at reddit.com slash r slash phpugly. Until next week, keep it ugly.